You know, this morning, I mean, this theologically is a little weird, but I feel sorry for the devil. You know, he spends all week. Everything in your life, in your situation, and in your heart can be healed with one word from the master. And it would be frustrating if I was the devil and I'm not the devil. It would be frustrating to have everything undone by an enemy that is so powerful and so good and so kind. That would be frustrating. Every week, Sunday morning, he wakes up with a massive headache. He gets you to fight with your wife and he gets your kid to pour milk all over the counter. You glad to be in the house of God today? Come on, early church people. Um, I do need to let you know. First of all, I need to let you know that Charlotte, Charlotte wrote me a card this morning. I had to go over to the kids' space. I've never actually been over there on a Sunday morning, so I had to go over there and find out, and they wouldn't let me in because I wasn't vetted. I am vetted, but they wouldn't let me in anyways because I would lose most of the kids. Um, I'd be a great kids' teacher. I was thinking about this. Like We would have an incredible time for 10 minutes, and then Pastor Aaron would come in and be like, where are all the kids? I'd be like, I don't know. She'd be like, you lost literally half of the kids in 10 minutes. I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully they're having a great time. And she said to Pastor Corey and Pastor Aaron, she's learning how to like curse it right. Not curse and right. Although she's probably in public school and is learning that as well. Okay. I'm trying to work this out here. Pastor Aaron. Church is fun to go to. Well, that's what we were going for. So, She'd never been to church before, you know. Maybe her parents are here. I don't know. But she sat right there during worship practice, and she was just, like, vibrating. She goes, this is my first concert. So it was super cute. Um, I need to let you know that there's no uh, first Wednesday uh, in June. In fact, we'll probably be taking a break for summer uh, for first Wednesdays. I know. But there's a, we have an art conference. ARC is our church group uh, conference in Calgary. If you want more information, just go to the brick wall. But that's happening actually during first Wednesday uh, in June. So um, you can also just, uh, as an announcement, you can vote here tomorrow. This is one of the spots that you can vote. So um, just to let you know that now that the pressure is rising in the room, uh, relax. God is above uh, these things. So let's relax and let's do our job as Christ followers. All right, um, and last but not least, the Warenkas were away last week. Welcome home. There was a couple of things happen that um, I'm going to make sh- I'm going to, Renee's not going to be able to, Renee's on staff here, and so she's not going to be able to go on vacation anymore because a couple of things happened. First of all, I couldn't find the fan control in here, and I was like, can't even call Scott. I don't know where it is. I was emotionally exhausted. I spent like 20 seconds looking for it and didn't find it. Like the fan, the fans are, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know where, it wasn't where I left it, which was somewhere back there. And then I found out that, I found it eventually, so I'm very proud of myself. It took me two days, but I found it. So, but emotionally hurt, I'm dealing with a lot. And then um, I showed up at a, at a <laughs> Renee organizes our lives for us, and you know, if you're in the church, a lot of our, you know, like our church life too. And so I had to go to a chamber thing yesterday, a chamber of commerce thing that I show up at and they're like, oh, your name's not on the list. And I'm like, I thought that I pushed a button somewhere that, and so I'm like, well, yeah, sorry, Renee's on, you know, and, and then they're like, well, you can't really come in without a name tag. And I'm like, well, can I just make a name tag? And they're like, I guess. And so... 
They're like, we have one. I'm like, well, my wife is coming too. And so I, I, I'm like, oh, okay. So I took a blank name tag and you got to understand, paper freaks me out. And so I, I wrote my name and I got that right. And then Venue Church, it looked like a five-year-old did it with a crayon. And then in Pastor Aaron's half, I also wrote my name. This is why, like, legally, if I do documents, we will go to jail. So if I fill out anything on an airplane, we're going straight to jail. They're just going to be like, airport jail, whatever jail. And so anyways, we're glad that Renee is back. And I had to go borrow scissors and cut it and put it on myself. You know, I feel like people were like, oh, it's cute that they let people like you in here, you know? Like, well, no, I'm like legit, you know? <laughs> we, have a, we have a church and stuff, like, oh, that's sweet. I'm like, it's, it's right over there. Never mind, whatever. Okay. Um, this is our final series on, uh, uh, on the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath day holy. Thank you, Sean. And... Um, it's like a reboot that happens in our lives and our systems when one day a week is holy unto the Lord our God. And so I know that Lee back there has been angry at me uh, since I started the sermon series. He always comes and tells me when he's angry, like, thank you, Pastor, for wrecking my life. Now I have to do all my lawn mowing on Saturday. Um, but I feel like God is going to be bringing rest to our souls and rebooting us. And today's uh, sermon is called Big Rocks. And I'm going to have an illustration here. As you can see, I'm very proud of this. And um, I'm going to show you and we're going to talk today about priorities. And, uh, but first, I, th- I think, I think um, we're getting less and less practical in society, so I want to be practical this morning. I came from the building industry, and so um, I'm going to start by saying this. Houses are not built uh, by magic. Oh, I somehow stopped my thing here. How did I even do that? Okay, we're good. Houses are not built by magic. The younger you are, it's going to be, you've got to get your head around it. Houses are not built by magic. In fact, if you want to build a house, there are certain things, anybody in the building industry knows, that you have to do in certain ways and in certain order. And so you can't skip some things. You know, I mean, you, can, <laughs> you don't build a house before you build the basement, right? This is Canada. we got to get below the frost line. And so you can't build a house before you build the basement. And so if you want to build a house and are like, I'll just add the basement later, it's not the same thing as like adding a window, or a wall hanging. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can do it, but you're going to run out of money before you actually do it. And then everything's going to crack and it's not going to be a kind of a house that you want to live in. And so there are some things about plumbing that, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm an electrician by trade. And uh, so plumbing, any plumbers in the house? Next service. Okay. I mean, first and second year of plumbing is basically crap runs downhill. They probably give you a ticket if that's what you know. So anyways, but <laughs> but like if you don't grade things properly, it's coming back in the house. You know, it's got to go out to the street and get processed somewhere. It can't just go in the yard. Right? So like the electrical wires got to be handled in certain ways or your house is going to burn down. And so as we're thinking about building our lives, what we're hearing now in society is like, hey, you can build it any old way you want to. Hey, build a marriage any old way you want to. Just make it up of this and that. And I mean, it's the same thing as going to, as going to somebody and saying like, you don't like your roof? Just put your neighbor's roof on your house. You know, they, it works for them. They're happy. But turn your roof upside down if you don't like the way it looks. There's a lot I want to say here. My contractor that built my first house, um, 
His name was Jim, and Jim was an excellent contractor. He also did his own framing, and he did his own finishing work. And I noticed in the foundation, when he put the footings in, that it was a little bit out of square. And he spent like a half an hour. Now, now if you've ever put foundation walls on footings and stuff, you know that there's some leeway in there. And I was like, I don't see what the big deal is. And it was my house. Uh, but Jim was very fussy. And Jim said something to me as a young man that I still remember. He said, if it's not square and if it's not level from the ground up, you'll fight it all the way through that whole building. You know? Then your door is, because the wall is crooked, and then the door is not going to, it's going to swing open all, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you fight it all the way up. And he was so fussy that, that he was a very fussy, you know, builder and a master builder, because he was there in like every little step along the way. But I realized it takes fussiness and priority to build a house right and to build it in certain ways. You got to compact that ground underneath there. You can't just throw up things, you know, like we're, we're sort of doing now. Now, a great life is not built with magic either. Marriages are not built with magic. Sorry to... As soon as you get married, you'll find out, oh, this is not magical anymore. You got to build it with certain things. You got to build it in a certain way or it's not going to be a marriage you're going to want to live in for very long. Every time a storm comes, because you turn the roof upside down, you're going to get wet. It's going to get miserable. There's also certain orders that you build things in and relationships and your relationship with your kids or your finances. Like you can't do some things before other things. And if you don't have any money, don't go buy a lot of stuff. You're going to try to do it first. You know, I'm like, it's like trying to hang drywall when you don't have any walls. You can't hang it on the electrical wires for long. You know, like you can try. Wrap it up, screw it into the plumbing pipes. This is really working for me. So this is the sort of message our kids are hearing in school right now. Now, like build your life in your way you want to, you know, you're six, you can make decisions. <laughs> yeah, here's my favorite one right now. And I'm going to say it and you can put this online. Like, Hey, you're uncomfortable with your gender. You're six years old. Oh, let's fix that. And let's not tell your parents. Yeah. Six years old. They're, they're good at making decisions. Real good. And don't tell your parents. I feel like the school system forgot who, who works for who here. And who pays whose salary here? Like these are my kids. You don't get to raise my kids. You get to talk about math. Let's, uh, yeah, come on. Like, seriously. And I was thinking the, the little one-room schoolhouse back in the day. You know, teachers didn't get to come in there and be like, okay, guys, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to parent you now. And you go find a little one-room schoolhouse where they'll feed an idiot. Come on. I mean... My daughter, Neela, I love Neela, but when she was little, we we're trying to get her not to get abducted, right? So, so we're doing this and me and mom and the older sisters, I'm like, okay, Neela, so somebody offers you like candy and wants you to go with them in a van. And she's like, absolutely, I'm in. They got candy and we're like, like, you know, you can't go with strangers. And they're like, but they have candy, right? You know, or like Neela, somebody offers you a puppy and wants you to go with them someplace, you know? And we thought we were finally getting through. We're like, Nayla, oh my goodness, no. And she's finally like, I got it. Okay, I got it. I got it. Somebody offers you a puppy and wants you to get in the van. She goes, I get the puppy first, then I get in the van. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, you're not comfortable with your gender and you're six? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you'd asked me when I was six, like, are you comfortable with your gender? I would have been like, uh, what's gender? I, maybe not. Is there ice cream? 
I'm thinking about it right now if you got ice cream. I'm like, maybe I'm not comfortable with it. <laughs> I mean, that's about how much sense it makes. You can't build a life any old way. You can't build a house any old way that you want to. You know, I, I worked with a, <laughs> with a local crack dealer. Uh, it sounds funny, but he was a drywaller. And uh, like... <laughs> And like most drywallers, dealt crack probably. And um, <laughs> I don't know what is up with drywallers, man. <laughs> See, John's a drywaller, but he was an electrician first. So you got to come on. Okay. So, but this guy, I mean, he was like the crack dealer of town. That's the rumor that we heard. And, and he comes in one time and we're wiring a Catholic church of all places. And I'm like, do not hire the crack dealer to drywall the Catholic church. They were doing a prayer meeting one side on the other side of Vapor Barrier, and he's telling some lewd, horrific story to his guys. And I'm like, bro, they are praying to the Lord behind there. And he's like a proud Catholic. And I'm like, I don't think you know what that means. And uh, he comes in one time, and he's like, we're doing the office spaces of this kind of big Catholic church. And, and uh, he's like, I got my drywall crew's free tomorrow. They're coming in. They're going to drywall the office spaces. And I'm like, great. But as you can see from the wires hanging from the walls, we're waiting for walls to be built. And he goes, well, I'm coming tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. The wires hanging everywhere. Drywallers, man. I'm just like, because I wasn't there the next day, but also there were no walls, right? So like, so I come back a couple days later and he has drywalled the space and just took all our wires and just put them up in the ceiling. And most of the time, you know, when we got to cut drywall down as electricians, we try to be respectful because we might be smarter than every other trade, but we're not stronger. So, so most of the time you try to cut a piece that the drywaller can put back in there, right? And so, but this time I get, I had a big dumb apprentice at the time, always great to have. And uh, I don't know if he was smart enough to be afraid of drywallers or not, but I gave him a crowbar and I'm like, Go in there and make a mess, because I'm not fighting with this guy for the entire project. I'm like, take that drywall down and make a mess out of it. And he did. We found out that he was good at that. And then the other guy comes back, and he's like, well, the drywall is super angry. I'm like, okay. So he comes over, he's like, I'm going to, eh, I don't know what, you know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send, I'm going to write such a big bill. I'm like, send all the bills you like. Send them. I don't care. You think we're going to pay a bill when you drywalled it before the walls went up? So he said he did, man. He was that dumb. So he sent us a big bill. So we just doubled the bill and sent it back and said, this is how long it took for us to take your drywall down. When priorities get mixed up, there's a big bill to pay at the end. And you won't have a house that you want to live in. And you won't have relationships that you want to live in. And you won't have... Now, it's always funny when it's somebody else's house, right? And it's always easier to see when somebody else's life priorities get mixed up. It's always easier to see when it's somebody else, but it's not when it's yours. Because you have a story about why you're not doing it right. You can, you can find the story that makes keeping the Sabbath holy work for you. Or you can find a story that will keep you not making the Sabbath holy. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to pick a better story than the one we've been telling ourselves. Because we're not getting the results and we're not living in the life that God planned for us. Now, the Sabbath day is like looking at the prince every week, the architecture prince. It's like looking at the prince every week and realizing like, oh, that wall's two inches out. Oh, I didn't handle my teenager right. 
when you read the word of God in the morning. It's not just to read, it's actually to do stuff. I'd rather you read one verse and did it than read 50,000 verses and didn't do anything. You can't look in a mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like. You have to apply the word of God. And so you realize you got in a fight with your spouse. You realize like, oh, okay. So like part of this was probably my fault, you know? And you check the prints and realize well, our family's not going in the direction. My ch- We're watching stuff that's not. And the Sabbath is once a week, at least, looking at those prints, taking them out and just checking the placement of the receptacles, making sure that all the, the toilets got hooked up. I knew a guy who... Uh, uh, his insurance company stopped insuring him. He was a plumber because he kept in the top floor, kept forgetting to hook up the jet tub drain. And so, so they had a, uh, so they had a jet tub in a brand new house and then it, they drained the water and they're like, Oh, that went quick. And then their kids did. And they're like, Oh, that went quick. And then they went away for a week and came back and the upstairs was in the downstairs, you know? The prince, it's like, hey, did you do this? Did you? Because the prince recognized that you didn't draw the plan for your life and you're also not funding it. That a wise, Jesus said, I am the cornerstone. And a, as a wise master builder, I am building my church. I am building the lives of people. And when you stop consulting the prince, you, stop, you start forgetting that you're not all that wise. And you can only see and you only know what you know. And everybody gets tunnel vision. You know, I am... Um, what the Sabbath does is the Sabbath avoids mistakes altogether and it catches mistakes early. You know, the average church attendance now, I must be in North America somewhere, I, I heard, I haven't checked it out, is like six times a year. I'm like, not enough. There's people that are, say that they go to Venue Church. We've heard this in town, like, oh, yeah, Venue Church, that's my church. And we're like, we don't know you. I don't know if you've ever come. It's my church. I'm like, you can't check the prints six times a year and think that your life is going to... I worked with a guy named Randy and uh, Randy was like the hatchet guy on a site. There's always like the, 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 the superintendent who's always nice and knowledgeable and then there's an idiot that works for him that just goes around and screams at everybody. And Randy was that guy. And Randy called me up one time Who's one of the worst hatchet guys on a site that I've ever experienced. And he called me up. We were off of the site. And, um, like, it was an old folks home, actually. And so so uh, he calls me and he says, he's super angry. He was always angry. He said, I thought that you said that there was no underground wire buried on the site. Because there was different phases of it. Um, Because I had taken most of the stuff over top in the attic spaces. One of which he actually turned on for an entire weekend one time because he started messing around with the electrical stuff and there was a sprinkler leak and he thought that he would fix the sprinkler leak by turning all the electrical panels on. That was one of two times I lost my Holy Spirit on a job site. Giant rolls of tech cable, all live, all weekend, up in the attic. So anyways, um, so this is Randy. Um, and uh, I, said, I said, yeah, we put everything overhead except for the main service, like obviously. He's like, yeah, I hit that. <laughs> 2,000 amp service. Your house has 100 amps in it. 2,000 amps. Five four-inch pipes with cables that thick in there. 20 of them. He goes, yeah, I hit that. I'm like, we buried it 10 feet deep and encased it in concrete. He goes, yeah, I hit the concrete and then I hit the pipes. What are you talking about? Well, he goes, I hit two of the pipes and then we tried to dig them out and we hit the third one too. 
So we fixed it for him and sent, sent the bill. Middle of winter, building is down with a bunch of old people living inside there. You know, the funny thing about Randy was every time we had a question, he was like, just check the prints. I said, hey, Randy, you check the prints? $60,000 later, you check the prints, Randy? Yeah, well, I've got to build this deck up here. I'm like, nobody's going to sit on that deck, but everybody needs the light to come on. Why don't you check your own prints? Because we put it where it was supposed to go. You know, the funny thing is, uh, Randy, Randy didn't check the prints in his own life, and he thought people who went to church were idiots. Randy destroyed a, a marriage of some decades. He destroyed a marriage because he wasn't checking the prints. He wasn't at church like you are. You know, just attending, if you're married, att just attending church with your spouse increases your, your chance of your marriage making it, like, a lot. Who knew? <laughs> Randy spent all this time on job sites bragging he had this pizza oven in his backyard. And he's like, oh, man, my pizza oven. Yeah, it was in Medicine Hat. I'm like, I'm not going to Medicine Hat. He goes, I got this pizza oven. It's amazing. It makes a great pizza. And I'm like, who cares, man? You don't have any friends. You don't even have a wife to feed pizza to. I'm thinking, who cares? You spent all this time in a, in a pizza oven. You know how building works? Well, you didn't, I guess. But I'm like, you don't know how fit. It's the same thing. You've got to build it in a certain way. You can't build it off of anything and hope that you have a house that you want to live in. Now, it's what I, what I hear when, when I hear like, well, I don't, I don't have time for church. I'm thinking, make time. Well, I don't have time for Because I'm going to show you. I have... I have four big rocks that you got to put in your life. But this is what we do is we take all these little things. I like my little illustration here. Can you, can everybody see it? So I've got this, I've got this thing full of rocks here. I'm going to leave Charlotte's. Don't let me lose that. Um, I've got all these little rocks and this little rock rocks is like, okay, I built a pizza oven and I'm very proud of it. And I, all the little stuff, like I take my kids to dance and I got hockey that I play and I smoke meat and I. Little rocks, right? And I, and I, these are my hobbies, and these are all the little things in my life. You know, these are like, I went and got a haircut, and I got to mow the grass, and I got to... These are all the little things in my life, right? We got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of little things, and we just kind of... But what we do is, is because we're not a decisive population anymore, and we don't understand that, <laughs> that your choices today decide your tomorrow... And what society is telling you is like, you can decide anything today and get everything that the person who invested their entire life gets tomorrow. No, it won't happen that way. And we fill our lives, and what the enemy wants us to do is fill our lives with all the little things, and then try to put our marriage in there, and then try to put our personal faith in there. But like after, after Netflix. And after fixing that old car, and after, what do girls do for fun? <laughs> after um, book clubs and sewing circles, and yeah. <laughs> you horrible man. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what girls do. I'm not a girl. All right. And I try to put church in up here, but it didn't work out for me today, and somebody didn't come today. I just couldn't fit it in after all the other stuff. And then I tried to get my, this is what, you ready? This is what, um, 
This is what Sunday does. You come in here, you lift your hands in worship, this is what it does. Empties the jar. It empties the jar. And then, and then this is what it does. I only have one hand here because I like preaching with a mic. Then this is what it does. It takes the... Uh, got all your social media in here. Someday I'm going to be an influencer. <laughs> Not preaching these sermons. We worship and it empties it out. And then the word and prayer put everything back in, in the right order. Here's, here's, here's what we do. The first rock, the first rock that you need, it's a big one. This is your faith, your personal relationship with Jesus. Your faith. Got to go in first to see. It shouldn't, it shouldn't move. These things should move. These things should form around these things. Just like it does in nature, it's not going to work. You can <laughs> fall on the rock and it can break you. Or it can fall on you and grind you to powder and you can't build anything with that. So, your personal faith. Then, I'm putting God's house in here. The word of God says, your significance. Everybody wants significance. Is not... As an individual, it's not because you're a hand in the body or the nose of the body. I don't know what that would be spiritually. Or the eye or the mouth or the foot or the knee. Through the Holy, uh, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, says what you are individually, you can't make a whole body out of that. It would be weird, like the foot body, you know, just like, hey, we're good, super good at walking, right? And so that's creepy. I'm just like, oh, it's like a bad movie. But it says, you are significant because of what you are a part of. Your children are significant in themselves because Jesus loves every child, but because they are a part of a family. Because they are a part of your, your family is significant because of what it is a part of and what we can do together. That is where you find significance. How, God's house. I worship. I pour it out. God puts it back in, in the right order. I'm going to do a series next about the greatest predictor of spiritual growth is whether you go to church with four to five close friends and that you are the average of your five closest friends. You're like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> get, get new friends. Okay. God's house. And then I've got your house. If you take care of God's house, I'll take care of your house. It's a promise. And I've got your house. I've heard every person I've ever heard say, I can't go to church because I love my family too much. Sunday is family day. Every person I've ever heard as a pastor's kid say that lost their family too. So, you're not God. Church reminds your family that you're not God. It reminds you that you're not God. And then we have our work in this world. Now, contrary to the younger generation who thinks that we should be paying for you to stay home and do nothing, you need to work. God does not tell non-workers, well done, good and faithful servant, because they didn't do anything. Come on, preach it to the hippies. Work. Your work is supposed to fund 
the, your purpose on this earth, which is to connect with God and connect with people. And you can't do that until you help somebody else connect with God and people. That's what your work does. It funds the house of God. It funds your house. You can't invite somebody over to your house if you don't have a house. Come for coffee when you don't, can't pay for coffee. You're like, I'm just waiting for Scott's government check to clear so that, because he works. And so I'm going to stay at home because, oh, I'm not going to go there. Your work. Then this, this is what happens. I hope this works out. And then God's like, okay, so do the other stuff. Somebody clear that off before the singers get up here. Now, here's the thing. And God says, that was easy. Because he's better at it than you are. And you get the other things in your life too. Like God wants you to have an abundant life on this earth. That doesn't mean there's not going to be struggle, but it means you put the big rocks in first. You honor the Lord, your God. And you, because you sowed honor, then you can reap honor. And God is like, Hey, I got those other things in there. You got your kids to dance, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I couldn't do it Sunday mornings. Yeah. But your marriage got better. And that's the uh, best gift you can give your kids. I've seen your kids dance. They're not going pro. And this is all based on something called choice. And this is also what you're not hearing in society. They're like, they're saying this, you can choose this, but you're going to get all of the good things in the end, no matter what you choose. Listen, listen, it's not a matter of God loving you, right? It's not a matter of God loving you, whether you observe the Sabbath, whether you're generous, whether you, Jesus loves all the little children. It's like my daughters. I love all of my girls. Their decisions are not going to make me love them less. But I'm not a good father if I bless them while they're sinning. That makes me bad. That's what the devil does. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I can bless my children when they invest in the right way. And my daughters know. i got two of my girls over here. Come on, give them a hand. They're pastor's kids. You think it's not fun. But they know that when they invest in what I ask them to invest in, then I'm going to cover it. But I can't bless their, their life choices. If they want to go and screw up their entire lives at this age, not much I can do to stop them. It's not going to happen in my house. If they want to eat and live indoors, I got to take the trash out. Say amen, girls. Amen, Amen, dad. We love you. You're such a good dad. It's the same with my dad. My but I will back their investment. You know, Armin bought a little Volkswagen Jetta. She had enough cash saved up. We didn't give her any of it. She worked for it. Oh my goodness, young kids can work. And so she bought a Volkswagen Jetta that the brakes were shot on, but the rest of the car was good. And so you know what I did? I'm like, okay, I'll cover brakes. I should have probably taken it to a mechanic, but I don't want it to. So I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll cover the cost of the brakes. And then I took it over to my friend's house and I'm not going to tell you, or you want him to fix your brakes too. And I used my street cred with him to get her new brakes in her car. Why? Because I'm like, I'll guarantee that. That's, I'll do it. I got resources. Choice. Choice is what they're trying to take away from you right now. They're saying, we're going to make all the choices on this side of the argument. We're going to make all the choices that we want. And you got to give us everything that we want. But you're not allowed to make any choices now. You're not even allowed to disagree with us anymore. 
At the basis of religion, of Christianity, is choice. Ready? Watch this. Watch this. Today, Deuteronomy 30, God says, Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death. Between prosperity and disaster. This is what the earth is based on. Choice. Well, how come God can allow all of these bad things? Because choice was at the bottom of it. Gravity. Gravity. It can hurt you or you can fly. What do you want to do? If you want to jump off the building, it's going to hurt. You don't have to jump off the building. God can build you a plane. Come on. So at the basis is choice. Well, how come God can let all of these things happen? Well, your kid's going to make choices. How come you let them make bad choices? Because sooner or later, we've got to release them into the world. They're going to make choices. We just got to help them make the right choices. But it's still up to you. If you want to blow your life up, Sarah, you can blow your life up. Choice. Between life and death, between prosperity and disaster, I command you this day to love the Lord your God. Keep his commands. The Sabbath is a command to a Christ follower. His decrees and his regulations by walking in his way. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you, that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. See, you can have a slave mentality and die in the wilderness and wander around far from your destiny. But your destiny, Christ follower, is battle. You were made to fight. You were made to work. You were made to go and save people. We're on a rescue mission. We are made to save people in the water. Today, God says, I've given you the choice, Venue Church between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. You can make this choice by loving, oh, that you would choose life, I should say. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't try to think you're smarter than me. But if you do, I'll abide by that. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. It's the big rock at the bottom. And I just want to kind of leave you with two words. And this is not what you're hearing in society. God is saying, do this and live. Ready? Or don't. Empowering. What do you want to do? Benny Church, what do you want to do? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you want to do what we do? We're revisiting the Sabbath. We're reworking the Sabbath. The Sabbath will be a holy day unto the Lord our God. I want my life emptied out and put back together by Him. I want to be unmade and remade every Sunday at church. I want to be unmade and remade so that I can live a life that matters and build a life that God planned for me to have that might shelter your family and then maybe your family shelters the next family. What would we do as a church? Because there's many oars in the water, but the one oar stuck in the water that's just going to be stubborn. Come on, we're in a fight. And you're the person beside you, their lives might depend on you getting the Sabbath right. This is not just about you. This is not just about your life and your personal happiness. Your personal happiness is tied to helping the person beside you. Would you join my family and build a life that matters in this city? Build a life that matters in this nation. 
God's going to love you anyway. But you weren't supposed to be the struggler. You were supposed to help the struggler. And we're going to sing a song called All Hail King Jesus. And I would like you to make Jesus not just your Savior, but Lord of your life today.